0: This event was recorded live at the 2016 Edinburgh International Book Festival. Good afternoon everybody, or should I say good evening? We're probably veering into good evening. Uh, My name is Philippa Cochrane, I work for Scottish Book Trust, but today it's my very great pleasure to welcome you to the Edinburgh International Book Festival. Um, I hope you've all been enjoying your day here, we've at least got some decent weather and it's not chucking with rain, which is always a joy. Um, The other joy is to be here today to interview this lovely lady sat on my left. Um, I I guess you all know who we're here to see. This is the wonderful Sophie Kinsella. As you know... Oh, thank you. Hello, everybody. This is going to go well. This is. (laughs) I I already like you. You're all my friends. (laughs) This is all marvellous. So, Sophie doesn't really need much of an introduction from me. I'm sure you're all very well aware of her work. But we thought, we had a little conversation beforehand, and we thought we'd just discuss a couple of things. Sophie uh, has written, we think, 22 books. We did a quick count-up between us. We did. And we came down in favour of 22. um, And has sold a huge number of books. It's something like over six million books worldwide. That's enormous. Yes, that does deserve another round of applause. Um, As you know, uh, she uh, wrote seven novels as Madeleine Wickham, but she's also best known probably at this stage for her shopaholic novels, Um, and I'm sure many of you have also seen the film with Isla Fisher in it and enjoyed that greatly also. So. We're going to start this event off, there will be opportunities for questions and in fact we'll stop and see a couple of times during the event whether any of you have anything that you want to ask. So have a think about it, all I would say is if you are going to ask a question, um, can you put your hand up very clearly so we can see when we ask for questions and also can you wait for somebody with a microphone to get to you just so that everybody can hear, makes everything go much better. I also need to tell you that Sophie will be doing a signing immediately after this event, but more about that at the end. Could you join with me in giving a one final big welcome, and then we'll kick off. Oh. <laughs> Thank you.
1: such a lovely introduction. Thank you. You're I think
0: our, our work is done. Really. Our work is done. Should we just we'll just Yeah, that yeah, was okay. marvelous. Thank you everybody. Um we're actually here today to talk about this book um which is Finding Audrey. I can see a lot of you have it in the front row. <laughs> Thank you that's good to know. That's
1: such a lovely vote of confidence. I'm yes, looking out. So yes, we have it.
0: We have it. Um this is Sophie's first YA novel. Um and is concerned with Audrey, who is a girl who is dealing with um, mental health issues, um, but it's about how she is dealing with that and how she is moving on her road to recovery. All the things that happened to her, but also her wonderful, mildly eccentric, <laughs> spectacularly entertaining family as well. Um, and that's where I wanted to start, if we could, because um, I just loved them. I <laughs> thought they were brilliant. Um,
1: i'm so pleased i'm so happy that you i fell in love with them as i was Mm. writing them i have to say and um i felt very strongly that i wanted to root audrey in her family Mm. um because you know when you well whatever age you are your family is so important it molds Mm. you it began you it's where you reference your life and you know i have read quite a few books where there'll be a sort of teenage protagonist and you know I actually now have teenage children and I'm always thinking where's the mum <laughs> you know where's the mum in all this um, I'm always wanting to know where's the family because the truth is that I mean unless we are you know all the humans are dead mm. and I read a book all the grown-ups are dead I read that book well that's obviously then there's no mum but otherwise the mum and the the siblings and whoever it is I feel they're part of our lives mm. um, mm-hmm. and I love writing a a family dynamic. I mean there's nothing more fun than mums and children and siblings and ratty sort of sibling rivalries over the breakfast cereals, you know, to counterbalance some more serious mm. stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that, that's what I was aiming for really.
0: So they, they come out fully formed right at the start of the book. You're kind of right in the middle of their lives uh, as a family. With that extraordinary opening scene, (laughs) and for those of you that haven't seen it, haven't read it rather, it is—I say seen it because it is very visual as an opening scene. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to spoil too much by saying Mum has had enough of her oldest son and his computer games, Um, and has taken his laptop or gaming computer. I was—I assumed laptop in my head—and is and is threatening to throw it out of a window. Um, and, and everybody else is down below shouting up a song
1: Yeah, and he's like,
0: that's <gasps> ah, my computer? Including the kid from across the road who is so horrified that this marvellous bit of machinery might be about to be thrown out a window. Yeah. Did they come fully formed like that? I mean, was that an image that you started with for this group of people? Um,
1: the, the dynamic between Frank and his mum pretty much did... Come fully formed and I mean I'm just someone I write what I see around me um, so you know I see good stuff and bad stuff and in this book there is good funny stuff and then there's some quite sad darker stuff and the the vibe between Frank and his mom is definitely something I have seen um, perhaps even witnessed in my own house. I wouldn't like to point any fingers, but I do have several children. I'm a mother of five, some of whom are teenagers. So I feel like, you know, like those journalists who go off and they become embedded in a situation <laughs> and then years later they can write about it. I have been embedded in family life for quite a time. Um, and not just me, but all my friends, all my children's mm. friends. So um, I had always thought that, that you know, let's write about something that people mm. relate to. And everywhere I go, I've got mums going, oh, he won't just stop, he, he's addicted to this screen. And we talk about, you know, stopping and he'll say one more level. And honestly, when mm. I did the the uh, media for this book, everywhere I went, people were going, well, that's our house. Well, how did you know? I mean, <laughs> it was insane. So I, I... And it is a problem. It is a problem, but it's funny. I mean, you've got to you've got to see both sides of it. Mm. It's like, yes, people get too engrossed in their video games and and it it can suck up their lives. And like everything, there's a spectrum from Mm. this has ruined your life, to actually, you know, this is quite a comic dynamic of of this mother at her wits end. And so I decided to sort of make that a slightly lighter entertainment.
0: Yes, it it had me roaring with laughter within two pages, which is a lovely start to a novel. always, (laughs) always, <laughs> um, and particularly when you know from the little bit you've read about it before you start that the novel tackles some quite serious issues mm-hmm. um, and is centred around a character who is, is struggling with, with elements of her life, at least, and, and, and they are affecting all of her life. The other thing I really liked about that opening scene is that we are very quickly, immediately in Audrey's world and, and how she's re- relating to the world. And that contrast between her loud outside on the street family and her life inside mm. the house is um, really affecting very quickly. Was that a conscious decision on your part or, or did it just feel like the, that's who Audrey was? And
1: Absolutely, and I mean, it was the perfect way to sort of set up mm. it because, you know, a big sort of comic set piece like that, you would expect all the characters to be involved, yet she is watching sort of hidden behind a curtain. And so rather than explain, well, here she is and she's got these problems and let's just lay it all out. You pick up straight away, well, something's a bit off. We're not quite Mm. sure why, you know, why are the neighbors giving her nicknames? But then I sort of pull away from that. And I Mm. think I I rather like to sort of let you find out at your own pace rather than just explain. And it's pretty soon that we see her problems to the max Mm -hmm. and 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 it's a bit of a shock actually Mm. because it has been quite a sort of funny book i hope Mm. and then and then suddenly it's taken a turn woomph into Mm -hmm. some quite bad problems um but i mean i'm 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 just a great believer in show don't tell and so you know there i am show audrey as she is and and the contrast between her and as you say this family
0: (laughs) but also that she's not She's not one-dimensional. She's not only her problems. She's not only the things that she's having to deal with. There are so many facets to Audrey as a character, and that's all there immediately as well. Oh, absolutely. Was that a difficult line to write, as it were, to balance those? She
1: she was... I had to think quite hard about Audrey Mm. because... It would be so easy just to think, problem, you know, put the problem on the page and sort of give it a name. Mm. And and she's not. I mean, some of her best qualities have got nothing to do with the things she's been going through, mm. but are her sense of humour, her her ability to, to comment on life. And I think she probably is, even at her most healthy, a natural observer. Mm. She's very wry. She's got a one-liner about everything. Um, so, so that is who she is. Um, but she's all about relationships. She's very. She notices things about all of her family. Yes. She's very perceptive, and she's um, got they a all lot talk of grit. To
0: her. Yeah. I th- which I find really interesting is they all talk to her about stuff that's going on. Yeah. With them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, they come in and out. Yeah. Uh, uh, or she goes in to see the dad and Mm. you know they all have their little relationships and i think that's what happens in a family everybody there's a sort of group dynamic but then there are individual relationships which is quite precious i think Mm. in a family you can sort of have that especially in a big slightly you know boisterous family just to Mm. get that quiet moment perhaps between a mother and a child that nobody else ever witnesses or knows about but it 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 adds to you know the quality of life
0: absolutely and it adds to that that sense of the reality of the relationships mm. as well. They're such a lovely supportive family as well. It's, it's very refreshing to read about a family that are, for all that mum and Frank are each other's throats all the time, um, they do love each other really. <laughs> and it's really refreshing to read ha- about a really supportive unit. Well, I hope unit. so. I um, mean, they're
1: just all trying to do the best this, they yeah. can. And the mum's trying to understand about video games. I mean, they're all shell-shocked. Mm after some pretty big events. So they're sort of, they're a bit like survivors on a life raft, mm-hmm. all kind of trying to work together, see the funny side of life, don't quite know where they're heading. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, they are, they're all good people and they're trying to do the best, even if they slightly rub each other up the yeah. wrong way. Um, and I think that's what we're all, I mean, I have quite an optimistic view of life and even when people are in trouble, I like to feel that, that we're all, you know, going in the right direction and doing our best. So,
0: there's a really big decision you made in writing this book, um, mm. and I'm, I'm guessing some of you have read it and some of you haven't, so I'm going to try and talk about things without giving too much away, but I think we're, all, we're on safe ground with this. Mm. Um, Audrey is suffering from uh, a, a number, number of particular issues, she ha- and I c- think I can say that she has social anxiety disorder, she has general anxiety disorder, and she's having depressive episodes as mm. well. We know that this happened because of something that happened at school, but you made a really big decision Mm. not at any point to describe what that something was. Mm. Does that come down to you wanting to be a forward-looking book and about moving uh, into recovery rather than Mm. dwelling on what happened to cause uh, her mental health issues in the first place? Or did it just feel better for the structure of the story that way?
1: Eh. So much went into that decision, and I have to say it has been so I have had such a strong reaction regarding this decision I made because so many people are interested in the fact mm. that it 's not there they want to know what happened, but they don 't want to know and for me, it was absolutely vital that I did not put this in for many reasons um, i mean i i 'm a great believer in less is more often and that a story is powerful because of what it doesn't say as much as what it does mm-hmm. say and that there's that there's a, there's great power in in the gaps and the spaces and what you leave for readers to fill in themselves and what i really didn't want this to be is a prurient book where you you know you reach the dreadful episode and your heart is pounding and then and then that's all you think about Mm. because this is a story about a girl who is suffering and she's suffering in this case because of an episode in her past but she could be suffering just because she's suffering and what what I really didn't want is number one people sort of somehow thinking well if you have a disorder like this it means that you must have had a previous episode like that not true Mm -hmm. people suffer from anxiety just because they do and so I think it's almost dangerous to say well there was a cause and effect I mean in this case there was a cause Mm -hmm. and effect but it's it's not the rule Mm -hmm. also I really didn't want anybody to start judging Mm -hmm. what happened to Audrey against perhaps what's happened to them or somebody they know and rating it was it worse was it better you know has was my experience a more terrible one? Have I suffered more? Oh, you know, is she making a fuss because actually, guess what happened to me? I thought you could get into some real territory there that was just unnecessary mm. because this is a story of someone who 's in a situation and has to move on mm-hmm. um, and so i I felt that it was just very important not to say it and i I put it in audrey 's words, and this was yet another reason is that I feel that in this world where we are almost required to share we don't have to and this is something that Audrey learns in the book we don't have to share we we can be private we don't have to upload every picture of ourselves we don't have to share what we did the the weekend if we don't feel like it and so she actually addresses the reader and says I'm not sharing this and what I really hope is that a few readers almost take courage from Mm -hmm. this and think well I don't have to share this on Monday morning when I get asked I just won't say it. We Mm -hmm. don't have to share. And I think possibly people can run into trouble if they share everything and then regret it. I mean, you know, the stories of especially pictures. And so, you know, take a leaf out of Audrey's book, say, well, I'm not going there, you know, move on. Yeah. And I think it's actually quite a healthy way to be. So that's a very long answer. (laughs) But as you can see, it it was not something I did lightly. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, really thought about it. And I'm, I'm very, very glad that that's what I did.
0: So did it take a lot of research to to understand how to write this character and how to write the situations that she found herself living through? And also, actually, the reactions. There are, there are a few sets of really interesting reactions to Audrey through yeah. this book. I thought particularly... There's something quite telling about how adults react, particularly. Um, there's a neighbour across the road who is always probably in a not-meaning-to-be-nasty way, taking the mick out of her. Absolutely. There's her best friend's mum, who makes a whole swathe of assumptions about what is wrong. And again,
1: there's a sort of comedy to Mm. it, you know? It's like, oh my God, you've got mental health problems, you're probably really dangerous. You Mm. know, absolutely no idea what she's talking about, Mm. but just leaping to the most lurid assumptions she possibly can. Or, like you say, the neighbour who makes of inappropriate and quite hurtful jokes but you know what if i wrote a book about him mm. he would probably be saying there's this girl i don't know what to say i kind of cracked a joke was it the right thing was she offended oh dear you know everyone's sort of doing the best they mm. can but you do hurt people if you say the wrong thing even if you didn't intend mm. to and so audrey does feel hurt but at the same time as you picked up he's yeah. probably just slightly floundering mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. having said that i don't quite excuse him because they have been round to say could you not make that joke and some people you can ask them again and again and again they'll just yeah. say that slightly crass thing yeah. um there we go he's he's not a major part of the book it's fine
0: no. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just, it's but it is true it, it is true i mean
1: it, it, no i'm glad you picked up on it because you know you just drop these things in because i mm. think it is the reality and then her poor friend from school who's Floundering, doesn't know what to say. She's embarrassed. She's, you know, confused. She's
0: desperately trying not to hurt Audrey.
1: Yeah, they don't know. I mean, I think that's a very, very common reaction to people who have these problems. Uh, mm. Is people just dis- having said that? I feel like society is moving on in leaps and bounds, and mm. it seems to me that even. Even since I wrote this book, you know, every year, every six months, somehow these issues come out as slightly more, somebody else comes forward and talks about mm-hmm. them, and I think we're all actually being educated very, very highly on this.
0: Which is a very good thing. Absolutely. And, and this, I mean, obviously, you'll, you, you guys will all know that there's a, a, a bit of a trend at the moment, and there's quite a lot of YA books that are dealing with mental health issues in a variety of ways. Um, but more power to that, the, more, the mm. more it's talked about, the better, for sure. Um, but we shouldn't just talk about it as if it's an issue book, because it's not. No. I mean, it is, but it's not. Um, it's also a love story. It is. It's a really, really lovely love story. Oh, thank you. It was lovely to um, write. Where did that dynamic and that, um, that very understanding character, that character that she needs yeah. so badly in her life, um, really positive teenage boy, which was great. So nice He's to so
1: nice. Yeah. Oh. So lovely. I have to say, we all did slightly fall in love with him. Mm. Um, you know, he just came out of me want- creating Audrey and then thinking, what does Audrey need? What does mm. she need? Who does she need right now? And dreaming up this Linus with his lovely smile. Mm. and And also... I didn't want anybody too perfect who completely got it straight away. He doesn't get it. He says a few stupid things or he loses interest and he sort of goes, oh, that's really interesting. And then, yeah, bye. Mm. Like a teenage boy does. But that's refreshing. Um, and he actually is direct about mm. it, which so many people are not. He l- asks her really direct questions because he's interested. Like, wow, how does that feel? And, mm. oh. but without that slightly... I mean, there's a bit in the book where... She talks about how she can't look into the eyes of her parents right now because they're so loaded, because, because there's so much baggage. They're so angry on her behalf. They're so upset. Frank is so angry on and confused. Everybody mm. is very loaded and hurt, and it's been a very scary time. Linus is just, oh, wow, you have this issue. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about that. And for her, this slightly dispassionate, interested attitude to begin with, and then he really wants to help, mm. but not in a... And not in a patronizing way, not in a worried way, just in a, well, come on then, let's.
0: Not an I'm, I'm going to fix you way, no, which I think it could not have so easily. Oh, he's, not that, it, he's at all. not that character no, at all. No, yeah. He's
1: genuinely, well, this is, a, you know, if it was a sort of, you know, tyre gone flat, he'd be getting out his tools mm. and he's like, right, girl who can't leave the house, you know, what, what, you know, what would we do about that? Mm. Um, and, it, and it is it's a very, very sweet. Relationship. I I love them a lot. I have to say.
0: I think he, I think he was adorable. I also I also I like the fact that he t- he tells her what he thinks and and you know um, doesn't hold back on occasion um, no. and doesn't creep around her in the same way that perhaps many many people are. Um, but there's just something very fresh about him and, mm. and, 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 as you say, adorable about him. Also, he brings his own experience of mental health issues with him as well. He, he, he does. He brings his grandmother into the mix of the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, he, well, he you, you sort of then understand why he's just that little bit more
0: empathetic,
1: mm-hmm. maybe, than the norm, without mm-hmm. being, as you say, too empathetic and too, mm. let me now run your life for you. He's not that no. remotely, but he's had enough experience to be able to see yes. beyond the sort of, wow, that's a strange thing. He can sort mm-hmm. of, he, he knows about strange.
0: Yes, he definitely knows about strange. knows about
1: strange, so he's not phased by it. He's yes. just going to think, right, roll up your sleeves, you know, let's see what we can do.
0: Definitely. Everybody in this book, or many of the main characters in this book at least, are dealing with not necessarily mental health issues, but certainly the impact of Mental health in their lives in one way or another. Um, how did you come up with or or understand that dynamic for for, for people with with friendship, with families, with relationships? It's quite a lot of complexity going on.
1: It's quite finely calibrated yes. between all the different. And I have to say, a lot of that is just I I can only put it down to sort of instinct. Mm. You know that I've. I've I've come across, you know, in my time as as being a parent, um, you know, thankfully not in our family, but among Mm. friends and, you know, the school gate and and all the people that I now sort of have in my circle, uh, quite a lot of this problem, that problem, Mm. talked it through and seen reactions. Mm. And I think I've probably been building up a sort of bank of the way people react. Mm. I think being a mother, I kind of channeled all of that into, you know, the mother character Mm. The father is something slightly different, something just slightly one step, mm. very, very, very angry, and there's a sort of anger that he can't express, yeah. um, and and the mother slightly displacing, um, but again, like you said, this is a, f- you know, mm. it's a funny book. I mean, mm. from the conversation, it sort of makes it sound yeah. very dark. It's not. I mean, she she sort of displaces all her. Powerlessness, I suppose. That you know, what can she do? She's doing everything she can for her daughter, but there's there's only so much she can do. So she sort of displaces by reading the Daily Mail obsessively and getting worried about vitamin D and every <laughs> health craze. And well, if I can't control this great big scary thing in my life, then I can make my children read a book and get
0: obsessed by that, or I can make them go on a jog. Or I love, I love There is this for those of you who haven't read it, and I'm hoping that those of you that have know what we're talking about. There is this brilliant scene where she gets the mother gets very, very worried about Frank and the fact that he's in front of his computer all day and decides that it's time that he went for a run. It's very important that he went for a run, and so she tells him the next morning he's going to get up. And I love just Frank's kind of, you don't know what's going on with me, and I'm just going to come along and show you the action, you you know. Um, So he challenges her to press-ups before they start. (laughs) (laughs) And then goes out for a run with her. It turns out Frank isn't that bad at running after all yeah it made me laugh a lot she
1: does slightly get what's coming to her but you know um i mean i just again so many friends were like oh my god that's me or or even (laughs) where's my children's friends were going well you based that on my mum didn't you I mean the number of people who are convinced that this mother is their mum it's very funny um but it is sort of you know the way we all are we lurch from what's this health scare what's this thing headline children Mm. should read this much a day oh no they don't read that you know I mean uh, guilty what can I say
0: (laughs) yes no we had believe me My brother and my mum growing up, it it spoke to me as well, alarmingly. Even though that was the 80s and a very long time ago. (laughs) very long time ago. I I have a couple of silly questions for you. And then we're going to open up to the audience. Are you you feeling inspired to ask questions? One nodding head would be lovely. (laughs) Just one. Okay, you've got about three daft questions and then we're going to come to you. Um, Not that daft. Uh, We'll start with the daftest question. Um, which is muffins for hands or squirrels for feet? Oh, <laughs> um,
1: squirrels! Squirrels! Squirrels scamper along. I see them as kind of animal versions of roller skates,
0: Excellent. so that I can
1: glide at great speed. Excellent. Um,
0: Good answer. Yeah,
1: and if I'm ever trapped in a, you know, prison prison cell, they can gnaw through the the railings or the or the door, and I'm I'm out. So. Or
0: escape and bring you back nutritious nuts. Yes. I mean,
1: just, you know, it's a no-brainer. I do slightly more on the muffins, but then I could always go and buy a muffin. Harder to buy a squirrel, so...
0: It is very much (laughs) harder to buy a squirrel. People (laughs) probably arrest you for that. I don't know. Um, On a slightly more sensible level... Oh, no, let's stay with silly, (laughs) because this is great. Okay, okay. in that case. um, So, in the book, uh, Linus is daring um, Audrey to take on some challenges in Starbucks. So what is the most outrageous thing anyone's ever dared you to do in public? Or the or the thing that made you the most embarrassed? Let's not say the most outrageous. Made do you, you know, the most I,
1: I'm not sure if this is the most embarrassed, but I've, I've just done a, you know, like a little photo shoot mm-hmm. out there, and it reminded me of a photo shoot I did a while ago for a French photographer who got the idea that, because I'd written books about shopping, that I should be photographed in a shopping trolley.
0: <laughs>
1: so... And I... Kind of willing, I was like, "Oh, okay." That, uh, you know, there was the shopping trolley. So I find myself climbing into a shopping trolley, and then he said, "Well, could you curl up so that you're completely inside the shopping trolley?" <laughs> so I, I was like, "What am I doing?" I write books. How has this led to me being? And the, the, it was digging into my skin. When I got out, I had crisscrosses everywhere. Um, so that that was, I might yeah. say, a uh, slightly odd. And people were looking.
0: And yes, I, I could imagine. God knows
1: what they thought. And then he started. He got his assistant to wheel me over the cobbles. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty bad.
0: it's an image that's going to stay with me for a yeah. while. I, I, sh- I should say. not have brought that up, should I? It was <laughs> bizarre. Um, so then, my, my slightly more sensible question was, um, which book would you recommend for your teenage self?
1: Ooh, my t- oh, my teenage self. Oh,
0: Because uh, there are so many great YA books around and have been since, forgive me, since we grew up and, and the things that were available then. So if you could read anything at the age of 14, what would it be?
1: Ooh, so. that is... Well, do you know what? There was a book that was not around when mm. I was growing up, which is The Curious Incident of the Dog oh, in the yeah. Night Time. And obviously I read it when I read mm. it, but I think if I had read it as a teenager, I would have just loved mm. it even more so I'm gonna say that because you know I see the great I mean actually even though it's children's you know mm. to have been a child when Harry Potter was oh, published yeah. you know we sort of read it and we enjoyed it but we didn't have that visceral you know mm-hmm. year by year coming out waiting mm-hmm. we just sort of read it and saw our children enjoy it so I think mm. I would like to sort of have those books come back in time and you know be published be when lovely. I'm younger yeah yeah
0: yeah, good answer. Right, as promised, if you have a question, could you please put your hand up? And I will point at people in a helpful way. Excellent, thank you very much. Um, lovely person with the mic. <laughs> Since you usually wrote, write adult fiction, what made you decide to go into YA? Oh, um,
1: yeah, that is a good question. Um, because the truth is, uh, it wasn't a conscious decision. I didn't. It didn't start with me thinking, oh, I know, I'll write YA. Hmm, what about? The story came to me um, and I could see the family dynamics and I saw pretty soon that I wanted to tell this through Audrey's voice and that she's a teen and I was like, oh, I think I seem to be writing a YA book. So that was really how it happened. But I, I didn't really modify what I do. You know, I didn't try and write in a different way. I just, I think because it's, slightly darker than what i normally do that is naturally sort of changes the tone of it but um really i just wrote a book you know and i i don't really think of oh am i doing this or this or you know i just kind of write a story from the heart and that's certainly what happened here
0: there's a red t-shirt sorry i'm going to refer to you as items of clothing i apologize
1: (laughs) What
0: inspired you to become a writer?
1: Oh, another good question. Um, Did everybody hear it? What inspired me to become a writer? Reading books is the honest answer. Reading, reading, reading. Um, And actually one other thing. When I was at university back in the dark ages, we had to read our essays out to our tutors. Harsh. Very. Really harsh. (laughs) But honestly, if anything teaches you about writing, it's that because I would find myself, I was you know, writing an essay on philosophy, but I would find myself trying to sort of shoehorn a joke in, or as I was reading, I'd start cutting bits, because I was like, oh, this is so boring. What was I thinking? And so I think that taught me the sort of the power of words to entertain and how you can take anything and sort of make it entertaining. Um, so I sort of knew I liked words, I applied for like every job I could, and I only got one. So that was um, editorial assistant on a magazine called Pensions World.
0: <laughs>
1: um, so I was like, okay, on the plus side, I'm writing you know, articles and I'm working with words. This is fantastic. On the slightly less good side, it's about pensions. Um, but already I knew I loved the words. So it was a sort of just a transition from writing about things to making it up. and. That was a bit of an epiphany, just commuting, reading, reading paperbacks, and one day thinking, no, wait, this is what I want to do, this. Um, And then it became a sort of obsession. And I read and read, and um, I can remember taking a very early Jilly Cooper, one of those ones, it's just the sort of the name, Imogen or Mm. Emily, or one of those. Mm -hmm. And thinking, okay, so, you know, how has she made a book? How has she gone from, you know, once upon a time to the end? And sort of just... Just trying to sort of see how it worked, And and that was sort of it. And I thought, okay, right, good. And I started. Um, and the minute I started fiction, I just knew. I was like, this is it. I don't like facts. I never liked, I mean, this is why I was a bad journalist because I'm not interested in facts. I don't remember them. I couldn't care less. And I always wanted to change the ending anyway. Like if the graph <laughs> is going down, my instinct, no, 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 make it go up. Have a happy story. Um, So I knew that I was more suited to making it up, and I'm just very, very lucky that I was able to make that my career, because honestly, making it up beats facts anyway.
0: Uh, We've got two questions in the front row. We'll start with the Lady in the Blue Jacket. One of my favourite books of yours was Many Shopaholics. Oh, was it? Um, how were you inspired to write that? Was it connected to any of your own family? Because it was fabulous. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, as I say, you know, I, I'm a parent, and Minnie, I must say, is I've I've had a daughter. She's now four, um, but she is not Minnie because Minnie predates her. Um, but you know, I, I've I've been round many a shop with many a small child. Um, i've experienced many a small child discovering the mini bar in a hotel and having to be put straight on a few things <laughs> um, I mean it was just such fun to write, and um i don 't put many small children into what I do because it just doesn't tend to fit the story, but Minnie was a joy to write Felix in this book Felix is complete wonderful. joy to write mm. just oh, just taking all the quirks and just sort of ways that children think and putting them in a book just as a not as a main thing but just as a sort of thing just to smile and recognize it's just been such a joy so oh, thank you
0: felix is also such a grounded like within that family oh, he, he comes is across therapy yeah he is
1: therapy for the family he really is and actually i know plenty of families who have been through tricksy times mm. and actually often the youngest child is is a sort of release and mm-hmm. says something and every cracks up and is just such a boon mm-hmm. and he, he really is yeah
0: you also had a question
1: i love the character of the psychiatrist that audrey oh sees and, and i also really liked it that uh, audrey has quite a scientific take on her own condition she talks about her lizard brain mm-hmm. a lot did that require a lot of research on on your part yes absolutely um no i'm really glad you picked up on that because the truth is there are mechanisms that people can use. And um, I mean, what's really interesting that she, she does CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very much not about, let's go into what's happened to you and let's talk about it at great lengths. It's practical. It's here are some tools to use when your thinking is becoming, I think the phrase I use is unhelpful, and and so you know it's empowering because it is saying you can actually affect how you think. You don't need to listen to these bad thoughts; they're all wrong. And this is how you do it, step by little baby step. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I sort of feel like Dr. Sarah is that type of girl that we all had a slight crush on because she's just so sensible, measured, supportive. But she pushes Audrey, you know. And and that's the other thing is that whereas her mother is understandably wanting just to wrap her up. And you don't have to do those scary things. You just stay in the house with me. And I think that would be the instinct mm. of a lot of us. Dr. Sarah is, you're brave, you're strong, you can do this. And I think, you know, you need to hear that message, not necessarily from your mum, but from someone. And I think, you know, huge kudos to the professionals who themselves probably just want to wrap this poor girl up and say horrible people stay with me and they don't they say no you're going to go to starbucks that's what you're going to do and that's going to be really scary but you're going to do it um so i you know i found it actually quite inspiring for myself to write this character i'm like where are you when i need you <laughs> dr sarah
0: <laughs> maybe we all need an internal dr. i think we sarah. do yeah. we do yeah are there any more questions Um, How do you make your characters in all your different
1: books so relatable? Like, I love Samantha and Undomestic Goddess. She's my favourite. But then also Becky is so nice and shopaholic. How do you make so many different characters that have got so many qualities
0: that people just relate to?
1: I don't know, really. (laughs) I don't know. I just kind of write down... I kind of just think myself into them. Um, You know, it's not very scientific. I mean, a lot of what I do is quite scientific in that I plot really carefully and I get quite geeky about it and have a lot of structure and try and really get my twists right and timing is everything. But in terms of actually character, I just kind of sit and think and wait till I'm sort of in that person's voice and think, you know, who are they? What do they want? You know, can I can I hear them? It's really like just sort of hearing them and channeling them. Um, and I I think probably quite a lot of me goes into all of them in different ways. So I tend to just give them the odd random thought that has kind of crossed my mind and I think, oh yeah, I'll put that in. Um, And that is, there's no science to it. I think I just, um, I kind of, I have a sense of the ridiculous. I try not to take stuff too seriously. And I think, I don't know, I just pick up, I suppose, on stuff that we all think. Um, And sometimes I write something down and I think, I mean, to be honest, Becky, I wrote down that first book. um, I remember literally having the thought, well, I think like this, but, you know, does anyone else think like this? Is everyone going to look at me and say, you complete nutter? Is this what you're (laughs) really thinking? You know, and it was quite an act of faith to send it out and kind of expose myself in this way. And then blow me down. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's me too. Yeah, I think like that. When I'm out shopping, (laughs) everybody, I mean, there are Beckys everywhere. Um, And so I think it's, you know... what's rather lovely is that we do all have these little secret thoughts or judgments or we kind of juggle stuff in our head or we're secretly really embarrassed by this and 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 I think that's why my books have struck a chord that everyone's Mm. like oh yeah me too but perhaps they hadn't ever shared that with anybody but I suppose I'm just the nutter who's brave enough to put it in a
0: book (laughs) and send it out it's the lovely thing about books and reading generally actually is that ability to recognize yourself in others and and have that insight into people's lives and not feel like you're the only person who thinks like that oh it's just so
1: refreshing and Mm. when you can think that person's making exactly the same mistakes i've made perhaps they're slightly worse than me i mean i think a lot of people have been quite happy to see that becky is actually far worse than they are so they can relate to her and then they're like yeah but I'm far better than that. And so it's actually quite empowering for them as well, so.
0: I think it's true of Audrey as well, and I think having that, that her, to, her voice talking about her experience of what she's going through will offer a lot of insight for people and a lot of reassurance for people who are going similar situations. Absolutely,
1: and I will say that I, you know, having sort of done all this research on CBT, it's just a valuable tool, full stop. You know, and there's a session where she's paranoid about, you know, what does Linus, the boy, what, what's he thinking? She's obsessing about, you know, what's he thinking? I think he's thinking this. She's, she's, she's assuming all kinds of things, um, as we all do, let's face it, and you know, her therapist very calmly takes her through, you don't know what he's thinking. You're mind reading. Are you a mind reader? No, you're not a mind reader. How do you know he's thinking this? You don't. And you know what? That's just useful guidance for anybody mm-hmm. who can get obsessed by what people think of me is everyone laughing at me oh i'm now paranoid they gave me a funny look i think that means they think xyz and it's just a tool to mm-hmm. to stop yourself getting like that and just reality check they're probably just looking at the pavement thinking about their own problems they're not thinking about you mm-hmm. and i think especially in this day and age
0: we could all deal with a bit of that useful thing more questions uh sliding sorry oh, no. <laughs> right in the front row in the denim jacket I'm going like, back to describing you by clothes. Like,
1: no again the question's pretty similar to the last one um, my favourite book is The Undomesticated Goddess I oh, loved it I've read you. it three times oh, wow. and every time I read it I pick something different up every time loved a 20s girl and I just wanted to know how you differentiate the characters between all these books and then the shopaholic books I've read them all well, apart from the mini one because she's still to give me it oh. <laughs> Well, again, it's just, I think it's... Somebody once interviewed me at great length for a writing magazine, and and it was perhaps the the most writing-y-based interview I've ever done. And at the end of it, she said, you know what, I think you're like a method actress and that you just take on the personality of... And I said, yes, actually, you're right. That's exactly what it's like. And so I think I just feel my way into these characters. And it's the voice, you know, you can just hear the voice and work out what what their dilemma is and I mean I think they're all similar in some ways they're all pretty optimistic and dynamic in their own ways and they all make mistakes but the mistakes are different but they've all got like it's just like a different flavor they all just Mm -hmm. feel different to me Um, and then some are very distinct like Sadie in 20s Girl is just very very distinct she's just sort of a one-off um, and actually the book I'm, I've just finished writing, it's coming out next year. There's a character there who is complete one-off. And then some of them are more like you're sort of, you know, they could almost be sort of related, I feel, some of my characters. I feel like, you know, Becky and Emma are sort of, have a lot, they're slightly hapless, but Emma's more hapless. I mean, they, anyway, I'm not gonna go into each character, their differences, mm. but it, I can feel it very strongly. Um, And when I'm writing them, I feel like I'm stepping into their shoes and I'm seeing the world through their eyes and and off I go. Uh,
0: What's your favourite author now and when you were younger? Oh, Mm.
1: gosh, that's such a good question and so hard. I had so many favourite authors when I was younger. And you know what? Reading books... With my children, I remember authors that I had sort of forgotten about. I was just talking about the Just William books. I mean, those are just genius, genius books. Um, I read them when I was younger. I think as a as a comic character who will entertain anybody, William is just perfection. Um, so he was a favourite. Roald Dahl was perhaps um, was perhaps the the author that first made me realise how you can get carried away in a book because I got Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in my Christmas stocking one year. And by the time my family got up, I'd read it because (laughs) I was just, I just hoovered it up. I couldn't stop. It was just, I mean, I was, you know, the child who wakes up at 4 a.m., I should say. (laughs) Um, And then another one that I don't know if people read these days is E. Nesbitt, Five Children and It. I read all her books. And when I look back, back at them I can see how she influenced me with these sort of characters mm-hmm. who mean well but get into trouble um, you know have ridiculous. I mean there's a book called the would-be goods about these children who just really want to be good and we're gonna be good That's what we- and of course they're terrible they get into terrible trouble all their attempts to be good completely backfire and that kind of comedy is just is so wonderful um, I mean, I, I could just go on and on. Rumor Garden. do you know Rumor Garden? Oh, I've just bought Miss Happiness and Miss Flower for my daughter, she can't read yet, but I've bought it anyway, <laughs> just so that I don't forget about it because it's about these two dolls and they're very marooned and somebody makes a ha- that little girl makes a house with them and it's just so detailed. And I mean, so many wonderful authors and then all the new authors who've come through, I'm, as I say, I'm really envious because we didn't have that. Growing up, so I go back actually, and I start reading children's books coming out now. Lion Boy, there's a great book. Do you know Lion Boy? Really recommend it. Um, mm. I, I just a great, and written by a mother and daughter, I think. By Zuzu Corda is the name. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I mean, if we had three hours, I could keep going.
0: Which adult authors do you read? Who do you enjoy?
1: Um, I read. I mean, I read sort of everybody who comes out Mm. I mean I I love um, Ian McEwan. I will just dive on an Ian McEwen. I love Joanna Trollope Mm. Um, I love Maggie O'Farrell and then I have huge amounts of comfort reading PG Woodhouse Georgette Heyer we'll not hear a word against her (laughs) Agatha Christie I read over and over and over and I never remember who did it (laughs) which is (laughs) very handy I can always narrow it down to about three, but mm-hmm. she's so fiendish that you actually forget. You're like, it was the major, unless it turns out not to be the major in the end. So I, I reread those books over and over, and they're, you know, if I'm feeling a bit tired or I just want to switch off, I'll always get an Agatha Christie.
0: I, I absolutely relate to that. <laughs> I keep being told I have to throw out some of my Agatha Christie. No. It's never going to happen, No, 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 never. No. Anybody else with a question? Oh, there's loads now. So you're all waiting until there's only 10 minutes left. Um, could we come off the front row and the uh, l- this lovely scarf? Uh, third in from the end.
1: Um, what's, what's your favorite place to be when you're writing? Oh, OK. Good question, because it depends. When I'm um, planning, I spend ages planning, and I don't know if you'd call that writing, writing, because I'm not actually producing volumes of words, but I am getting into my character, I'm planning the structure, I'm thinking my way into the story, I'm jotting down bits of dialogue, and, and for me, I mean, some authors I know, I've got friends who just start and see where they go, but I'm the opposite, I plan and plan, and I often go into coffee shops for that because I like a bit of a buzz, no screen, no scary screen that you've got to fill with words. Just a notebook, a bit of anonymous mm. conversation. And so I do a lot of that and walking around. Walking is brilliant. Walking, there's something in the motion of walking that sets your brain working is what I find. So I do that. And, but then when I actually start on a book, I start first thing when my mind's clear, just go to my office um, every day, a cup of coffee, loud music, and stay there till I've done a thousand words. And if you do that enough times, y- you've got a book. That's my theory. So <laughs> that's, as, that's as scientific as it gets.
0: On the very front row with the most excellent <laughs>
1: Um Just because you mentioned how you really get into the minds of your characters and you've written quite a lot of books. I was wondering, since you're such a planner, do you ever write multiple books at the same time or are you very much somebody who you have one project you fully commit yourself to that one project and then you're able to move on to the next one or do you always have like a back burner kind of on thinking about your next project while you're committed to that one yes i totally do i i have like the book which is going and um when i'm writing that i couldn't be actually writing another book but i can be thinking about other books and i've I've sort of got always got about three or four ideas that are sort of percolating um, because I kind of think the best ideas they last mm. and you know if they if you're still interested two years after you first had the idea then it's got legs and you can think okay this is still strong um, and I so I might do a little bit of thinking about you know a sci- uh, the, the book after the next or that or you you know trying to work out which book to do next. Um, but I would say about halfway into each book, certainly two thirds of the way in, I can't really do anything else except write the book. And it completely consumes me. And so I'm not even not thinking about other books. I'm not really thinking about much else at all. I'm sort of living and breathing this thing. Um, and then my thousand words might turn into 5,000 words and I write through the night and it all becomes a bit obsessive because I'm quite an obsessive type. Um, and so at that stage, you know, forget it. I, I don't know anybody else and my poor husband, to sort of pick up the slack because i'm like what you know what school uniform what hello family sorry who are you again I, i'm in a bit of a blur even when i'm with them i'm sort of with my story um and then i emerge sort of out of the fog um but i'm i'm always thinking ahead i would hate to finish a book and then think what next Ugh! no ideas what i could, you know so i'm always planning what next what next
0: We have time for one more question and you got your hand up first. Woo! (laughs) We'll see how quick it is. What's your favourite book that you've written?
1: Oh, you see, it's a bit like what's your favourite child that you've given birth to? (laughs) Because it's equally painful, believe me. Um, But you know what? I will choose uh, the first Jobaholic book and I will choose that because that's when I found Becky's voice and Becky has been such a friend to me over these years, that it's quite a special book um, for me. It's, it feels like it was very much the beginning of something.
0: That was an excellent and committed answer. Normally you get that, oh, it's the, it's the most recent one. It's the one I wrote most recently. I applaud you for saying something different. Oh, marvellous, marvellous. woo! This lady in the green cardigan, absolutely the last question. <laughs> but you were very close, very close second. Yeah, I've just been lucky, thanks. Um, it's probably a very similar question to the previous
1: one. So, my favourite book is Twenties Girl. Is it? So, like, holiday read, a uh, perfect birthday present. I know one. And uh, my question is, if you have to recommend just one Sophie Kinsella's book <gasps> to someone Ooh. who
0: never read any of your Ooh, books, which one would it be?
1: Oh, that's a... draw. I've never had that question before. Oh, OK. Actually, Twenties Girl... May, I mean, oh... I mean, I would say a standalone, probably. Maybe... Can you keep a secret? Maybe mm. the undomestic goddess, maybe 20s. I mean, I'll tell you what's really interesting and is actually really lovely for me is that, I mean, I often meet readers and people come up to the table and they'll often say what their favorite book is. And pretty much every book gets a shout out You know, it's not like everyone is united. Well, this is the good one, and all the rest are kind of rubbish. Everyone for their own reasons. And it's often the first one they read. So a lot of people, Can You Keep a Secret is their favorite. A lot of people, The Undomestic Goddess. A lot of people, Twenties Girl. A lot of people, Remember Me. I mean, it sort of goes on. So... I don't know. I would have to put it to a vote. Because how can... Also, it seems really big-headed to say, oh, read this book. It's really good. I can't say that, can I? Um, I'd have to get someone else if to there make was the recommendation. An opportunity,
0: though, this would be it.
1: This would be it. Well, I don't know. Let's have a vote. Who thinks Undomestic Goddess? Two, three, four, five. Can you keep a secret? Oh, you Ooh, see?
0: Yeah, no, you're right.
1: I think, I think Mar- 20s Girl... Ooh, Twenties Girl. Mm. I think Twenties Girls wins. This is so interesting. I've never done this before.
0: <laughs> I think this is where we're going I'm to leave actually
1: it. I, rather, I do love Twenties Girl. And it was so experimental. And I have to say, writing a ghost is like something that you think will be just a breeze. And then your copy editor comes back and starts going, well, what are the rules for this ghost? And she seems to be inconsistent. And then I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. She's just you know she's Sadie so it it was really quite a hard thing to do but I'm so glad I did it and it's got a special place in my heart so thank you I'm gonna leave this event with the
0: thought that Finding Audrey might be an awful lot of people's first Sophie Kinsella oh do you
1: know actually yes yeah actually uh, yes no I have had that Mm. I have had that too you're right
0: Could you all join with me in giving Sophie a really big thank you? I hope you you enjoyed that as much as we did. Thank you.
1: That's so nice. Thank you. Thank you for your brilliant questions. I'd say, I mean it's and I love having the lights up. It's like, you know we're all together it's been really fun thank you
0: Sophie will be signing books after this as I said at the beginning we will be in the children's book tent if you could give us a couple of minutes because uh, Sophie has to be unplugged um, and, and all the gubbins taken off and then we will be over there thank you very much
1: thank you
0: more podcasts and videos of Edinburgh International Book Festival events are available at www.edbookfest.co.uk on iTunes and YouTube just search for Ed book Fest.